Hey, this is Pastor Bob Stephen, lead pastor at Pursuit Church SA, and this is our podcast. Listen, would you take a minute to share and subscribe to this podcast? Also, we would love to connect with you, so please visit us at PursuitChurchSA.com or on any of our social media pages. Now, here's this week's message. We hope it blesses your life. Good morning. I'm glad you guys are here. It's a beautiful day. We're right in the middle of hot July. It's not hot. It's hot. Hot July. But hey, that's the beauty of living in Texas, right? We get a real summer. It never goes away, but we get a real summer. So I want to just say something before I get started. Um, I love that song, the, the last song they played, because there's something that we mistake sometimes. You know, we, we think that the enemy, the devil, is the exact opposite of God. And I want to tell you right now, that's not true. That's what he wants you to think. He wants you to think he's the equal opposite, right? God is good. God is beautiful. God is pure. God is perfect and holy. So the devil wants you to think that he's the exact opposite. But he is not. God has no equal. Because if you think the devil is the opposite, that means he's the equal opposite. No, no. God has no rival and he has no equal. He is supreme. He is powerful. He is the creator of everything. Everything. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. That's an important piece that we need to always remember. God has no rival. He has no equal. He is the most high, the most powerful. He, God, Yahweh, the one true God. He's the one. Before I get started today, let me, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We feel your spirit in the room with us, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for each and every person that you have invited and has answered the invitation by coming here today, Lord, to honor you, to praise you, to magnify your holy name. You are truly the one true God, the lover of our souls, the one who fights for us. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, Lord, you fight for us. You call us into you, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you never take your eyes off of us, that you're always fighting for us, and that in you we have the victory. Lord, I pray today that you will just use me. I surrender my mind, my emotions, my vocal cords, the very breath in my lungs that you gave me, Lord, I surrender that to you. Father, I ask that you do what you will do. Have your way, speak through me, push me out of the way, because it's all about you, Lord. I pray that you will just give us focus. I stand against any distractions right now in the name of Jesus. Anything that tries to get our minds off of the word, Lord, that you have for us, Father, I stand against that in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. I know that you're going to give us wisdom and discernment today, Lord, that only comes from you, so that we can hear your word, understand it, you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So we are in week two of our sermon series for July called Strategic Warfare. And we've been talking about the supernatural realm. And you know, it's important that we talk about this as a church. It's, it's so important that we talk about this because a lot of people don't believe in it. They simply don't believe in the supernatural realm. They'll believe in some little things here and there, but they don't really believe in it. 
And even some Christians, they find it hard to understand, so they don't really give it much thought. So we need to talk about it. Because let me tell you something. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because we don't think something, we can't figure out what's going on with it, we don't understand it, doesn't mean it isn't real. You know, you can't see gravity, but that's what's holding you in your chair right now. Can't see it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There is a supernatural realm, and there's an ongoing battle there right now. And it's a battle between the forces of darkness, which is Satan and his, his demons, his demonic forces, and also the kingdom of light, God's kingdom, and the heavenly forces from God. That's the battle going on right now. And that battle impacts the natural world we live in. I want you to understand that. But here's the good news. God's army of angels are bigger and better. A lot of times people think of angels as these little chubby little things with wings, sitting on clouds, you know, doing whatever they're doing, right? (laughs) There could be nothing farther from the truth. Let me tell you why I know that, because here's the deal. All throughout scripture, whenever you see an angel of the Lord appear, what's the first thing they say? Do not be afraid. That don't sound like a little chubby cherub to me. That sounds like a powerful warrior sent to do battle on your behalf. That's what God's army of angels looks like. And here's some more good news. (laughs) This is really good news. Satan's army is only one third of the size of God's army. One-third the size. God's army is bigger. It's more powerful. And the battle's already been won. It's already been won. Scripture is very clear about that, y'all. That when it's all said and done, when it's all over, the kingdom of light will rule for an eternity. Forever. Forever's a long time. It's forever. And I'm going to talk about God's army of angels next week. But I want you to understand this. Christians have nothing to fear, but we need to be informed. We need to know some things. You can't fight an enemy you don't understand, know, see. Remember, the battle's in the spiritual realm, so we need to know some things. We need to know the enemy and his tactics so that we can fight effectively and with endurance. Y'all, Satan's playing the long game. He's playing a long game. And last week, I gave you basically his five-point battle plan. Simple, five-point battle plan, and this is it. Satan wants to bind the minds of unbelievers so they won't surrender their lives to Jesus. He wants to steal God's word from your heart so you never really fully obey God. He wants to trap you into a dangerous lifestyle of destructive sin. And he fights to keep God's work from happening in your life. And his ultimate goal, the ultimate goal is to destroy you, to take you out. So today, I'm going to give you some intel about his army, the demons he uses to do his dirty work. And as we talk about this today, I want you to keep in mind... That Satan is not God's equal opposite. 
He is under God's control. He is not his equal opposite. Keep that in mind because we are not given the devil one piece, one nano piece, little molecule of glory today. That is not what this is about. This is about me informing you so you know who the one true God is and you know how powerful he is and he's got your back. Mark 5. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. It's the second book of the New Testament. So, y'all, if you brought your Bibles, turn, look for it, find it on your phone, whatever. I like a paper Bible. I didn't bring it up here, but it's in the bag. We, I love my paper Bible. Actually, Pastor Bob has it. Love a paper Bible because you know what? Whenever the world ends, Internet's gone, you got paper to read. Get you a paper Bible, okay? And you can get one like mine. I got the red letters because that's what Jesus says. And then it's got big letters because, you know, my eyes are getting a little old. So are you there yet? Yeah. All right. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it gives you kind of a broad overview of what demons can do and the kind of power they can have. So follow along with me as I read. It says, When they arrived at the other side of the lake, a demon-possessed man ran out from a graveyard just as Jesus was climbing from the boat. This man lived among the gravestones and had such strength... He was strong, that whenever he was put into handcuffs and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the handcuffs from his wrist and smashed the shackles, walked away. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and through the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the wild hills, screaming and cutting himself with sharp pieces of stone. He was hurting himself. This is just a regular guy, y'all, just a regular guy. But, you know, and he wasn't even like a bodybuilder or some strong man, just a regular guy. But if you notice, it said that he had such great strength that he, nobody could even bind him or keep him in handcuffs. But the problem is the strength he had was from demonic spirits And therefore, it was destructive. It was causing this guy to hurt himself. So we see demons are strong and they're destructive. There are people today under the influence of demonic spirits and they're hurting themselves. They're sabotaging relationships. They're sabotaging jobs. They're addicted. And they can't seem to stop. That force is so strong that keeps them in the situations they're in and they can't seem to stop. That's what was going on in the story. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. When Jesus, Jesus was still far out on the water, the man saw him and ran to meet him, then fell down before him. Then Jesus spoke to the demon. He spoke to the demon and said, come out, you evil spirit. It gave a terrible scream, shrieking. What are you going to do to me? Jesus, son of the most high God, for God's sake, don't torture me. Did you catch what happened right there? The demons knew the power of Jesus. And Jesus didn't argue with them. He didn't mess with them. He spoke to them. He opened his mouth and he spoke to them. And what did he do? He told them, get out. 
get out. That's how powerful God is. That's how powerful he is. Despite the strength that the spirits were using to cause this man to try to destroy his own life, they were no match for Jesus. They were under his control. Friends, I need you to hear this. Just let this sink down in your hearts. Even in your darkest moment, you may be out of your mind, drunk, high, in pain, in your darkest moment. It doesn't matter what you're in the middle of. All you got to do is call upon that name, the most powerful name, the name of Jesus. And he'll get you out. He'll set you free. That's a fact. Demons are bad and they're strong. But they're defeated. Defeated. We have to remember that Jesus holds the power over death and hell. It doesn't matter how many demonic spirits are attacking you. It doesn't matter. They are absolutely no match for Jesus. You need to know that. Because you know what? The demons know it. You need to know it. So I'm talking to you today about this. The demons already know they're defeated. We need to know they're defeated. And if you keep reading the story, it says that there were many demons tormenting this man. But in the presence of Jesus, they were powerless. They had to ask Jesus for their next move. What are you going to do with us? They were powerless. Demons are real, y'all. But they are not as strong as our God. Let me tell you a little story. It'll illustrate this kind of in a real-world way. It was about a, about a year after we moved here. This is, you know, 13 years ago now. It was about a year after that. One of our daughters um, and her boyfriend at the time, you know, came to visit us, right? They came in from Houston to visit us. And we were all kind of sitting at the kitchen table just talking. And, you know, this guy started asking us about God. But you start asking me about God, we're going to talk about God, right? I mean, we'll talk about God. You don't even got to ask. But the point is, he started asking us these questions. And so we, we started talking about God. Well, it wasn't too long into that conversation. And it's like, all of a sudden, he just gets up and says, okay, we got to go. I'm like, all right. All right. And I hadn't even got the coffee done yet. And he's like, I go. Well, I said, all right, well, hold on before you leave. Let me pray for y'all. Let me pray over you. So, and literally he didn't even, <laughs> this is what's so crazy about this, y'all. He didn't even stop. Like he said, we got to go. And he got up off the kitchen, off the table, the chairs. Started walking straight to the door. I'm trying to like, wait, hold up. Let me pray for you. He's steady walking out the door. But I stopped him at the door. I didn't put my hands on him. Something in the spirit told me, don't put your hand on that boy. So I just started praying for him. And y'all, I kid you not. First of all, let me give you a visual. This man was about 300 pounds. And he was about, what, 6'5"? I mean, he was huge. Yeah, like 6'10". Like, we're talking about... Yao Ming stuff. Well, not that much. But anyway, the point is, you don't even know who that is, right? (laughs) Anyway, he was a big dude, like a big dude. And he just, all of a sudden, I'm praying over him. He starts trembling, like shaking, like he's trying to shake something off. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. And he's shaking. And very slowly, very articulately, all he said was this, your God is powerful. And he bolted out my garage door. I was like, all right. (laughs) And Pastor Bob and I looked at each other. I said, you know what that was, right? It was a demonic spirit in my kitchen. 
But here's the deal. Pastor Bob and I made a decision. Nope, not in our family, not up in here. And so we started praying and our prayer went like this. Okay, Lord, I need you to either save him or break him up. Your choice. I'm not putting you in a box. Save this boy or break him up. Well, guess what happened? You think your prayers aren't powerful? Yes, they are. Because guess what happened? Bye-bye, Brooke. They broke up. He did some bad, shady stuff, and they broke up. And I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 14, because here's the deal. Satan wasn't always bad. He wasn't always bad. In fact, he was one of God's most beautiful angels. Kind of like the, you know, the most beautiful child. Not that anybody has the most beautiful child, right? But he was a very beautiful and powerful angel. So turn in the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah is after Psalms, one of the major prophets. And while you're looking for it, again, I want to say one thing. Satan wasn't always bad. And what happened, we're about to read. This is Isaiah 14, starting in verse 12. And it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, mighty though you were against the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and rule the angels. I will take the highest throne. I will preside on the Mount of Assembly far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and I will be like the most high. But instead, you were brought down to the pit of hell, down to its lowest depths. There's a couple of things I want to point out. Number one, Satan's original name was Lucifer. And sometimes he was referred to as the morning star. But somewhere along the way, he got jealous of God. He got jealous of God. He wanted to be like God. And instead of following God's will, Lucifer chose his own agenda. And he also got a new name, Satan, which means the accuser, the adversary. In these verses, Satan said five times, I will. And then he describes what he's going to do. And notice what he's going to do is what God already does. Satan said, I will. But God said, oh, no, you won't. No, you won't. And he threw Satan out of heaven into the pit of hell. And a third of the angels went right there with him. Those are the demons we battle today. Now, before you start thinking everything bad that happens to you is because of the demons, it's not. It's not. Not everything you're battling is a demonic force. Sometimes your toddler just needs a nap. Sometimes your teenager's be an emo teenager. However, I want you to recognize when you are under demonic attack. And then I want you to remember the battle always belongs to God. So you do not have to live defeated. You are not defeated. The devil is. The battle belongs to the Lord. So I want you to recognize four things that demons do so you can see, so you'll know what you're dealing with. First thing they do, demons influence leaders 
of the nations. Go back to Isaiah 14 and it says, Mighty though you were against the nations of the world, demons influence the leaders of nations. Think about it. If you want to wreak the most amount of havoc at one time, what are you going to do? You're going to cast a big net. Leaders over countries influence a lot of people. That's the most effective way to do that for the demons to influence leaders. All around the world, you can see where certain countries or certain cities are just dark. They're just dark. They're places where human rights mean nothing. And there's all kinds of debauchery and wild stuff going on. And it's because there are demonic forces influencing the leaders of those places to do Satan's will, not God's will. Daniel 10, 13 tells us this. I'm not going to read the, well, I guess I can read the whole thing. I don't know if it's on there. Oh, it's on there. Okay, I won't read the whole thing. I'll just tell you this right now. For For 21 days, the mighty evil spirit who overrules the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This is an angel of the Lord saying this, telling Daniel this. There was a spirit over this this kingdom, and it was blocking God's angel. Satan has evil spirits assigned to influence world leaders. Look back at the Holocaust. Hitler annihilated millions of Jews. Jews are God's chosen people. That was not an accident. That was a demonic force influencing Hitler to do Satan's will. And there's so many other historical events that you can look back on and see where this has happened. But you don't have to look back at history. Open your eyes and look around right now. What's going on right now? That very same thing is still happening today. There are leaders in this country, the United States of America, leaders in this country who are being influenced by demonic forces to use their power to do Satan's bidding. Now, I'm going to go here, y'all. You know, I know a lot of pastors say, oh, you shouldn't be talking about that. No, well, you know what? I'm not a lot of pastors, and I need y'all to be smart about this. So I'm going to go there. I just need y'all to hang on, buckle up. If you do not believe what I just said, then I need you to tell me, please explain to me why now it's all of a sudden okay for grown men to dance around naked in front of little kids in a public parade and nobody's stopping it. What? That ain't right, y'all. That ain't right. Come on, man. The forces of darkness are assigned to world leaders with the sole intent of influencing them to serve Satan's will. So what else do these spirits do? They inflict suffering on humanity. Demons desire to inflict suffering on you. We just read about Mark 5, 5. But there's another story in the New Testament where the same kind of thing was happening to a little boy. It's Matthew 17, starting in verse 15. And this is what it says. Lord, have pity on my son. He is very sick and at times loses his mind. Many times he falls into the fire and into the water. And Jesus answered and said, bring him here to me. But God, Jesus is more powerful than any demonic force. Jesus said, bring that little boy to me. Bring me that baby. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was healed at once. It didn't take 20 years. It was immediately. God is that powerful, that strong. Immediately. 
This is a dad, and he was beside himself because his little boy was tormenting, was being tormented by this spirit. Friends, this is still going on today. There are demonic forces right now that are doing their very best to destroy the next generation. They do not want us raising up kingdom warriors to fight against them. Absolutely not. I said that last week. I'm going to say it again. They are doing their best to destroy the next generation. And we see it. We see it. If you open your eyes, you see it. You see it through the textbooks they're trying to put on these kids in public schools. Man, I saw something the other day. I was like, what in the world? This is inappropriate. Inappropriate for a child. They're pushing it that way. They're pushing it through propaganda. Getting our babies to question their identity. That is unacceptable on every level. They're trying to get our kids to normalize sin and debauchery. Telling our kids, oh, you're a racist. If you, know, if, if you think something's wrong with what's going on, you're a racist. Or there's something wrong with you if you don't embrace flat-out doctrine that is contrary to the word of God. That's right. That's right. What? Y'all, I know this is heavy. I warned y'all. This is, this is heavy today. But you need to know. You need to know you cannot be fooled because Satan will try to lull you into complacency. He is tricky. He is conniving. He's going to try to lull you because here's another thing that evil spirits do. They try to lure you away from God. Demons scheme to lure you away from God. Did you know that the demons have been studying you from the very beginning? Since you got on this planet, they've been studying you. They've been watching, and they know your weaknesses. And they're going to do anything they can to use your weaknesses against you to lure you away from God. This is how sneaky they can be. Just track with me a minute. Say you're one of those people, and you always like to have nice new things, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. If you can afford it, nothing wrong with that. So... You're chilling, you see a commercial or maybe an ad or something, and it's, it's about this nice new whatever, whatever it is. Maybe a new phone, maybe whatever. And then you start thinking about it. And then maybe you see one of your friends has one. You start thinking about it some more. This wasn't even on your radar. But, again, Satan knows your weaknesses. You like nice new things. So what does he do? He starts giving you these ideas. You see it here. You see it there. You see your friend just got one. So the next thing you know, you want one. And not just do you want one, you got to have it. He's got his tentacles around you. He's strong. He's got you bound. I got to have this. So what do you do? You go out and buy it. You go into debt because you know you really can't afford it, right? So you go out into debt. So guess what? The next thing you know, well, I can't really tithe. I can't sew into God's house because I got to make this payment on this thing I just had to have. So you stop tithing. Hello? What does God's word say? Bring the first fruits to his storehouse. Okay, well, you blew that one away with your new little thing, right? Okay, well, maybe you're not making enough money to afford it. So what do you do? You take an extra job. Guess what? You're working on Sundays. You're not coming to church anymore. You're not coming to church. You're not serving in God's house, which is exactly what he says. Gather in my house and worship together. You're not hanging out with your church family anymore. Do you see how that happened? The demons lured you away from the things of the Lord. They knew your weakness. They tempted you. You fell for it, and they lured you away. Maybe, maybe it's something else for you. 
maybe you're a little bit more cerebral. You know, maybe you like to, to learn stuff. You know, I, I love learning new things. I'm a research queen. You ask me about a topic, I'll be unfound everything out about it. I love research. That's what I used to do for a living back in the day. Maybe that's you. Maybe you like to learn new things. You're always looking at, at learning, expanding your mind, right? So you start listening to these podcasts. You know, Brene Brown, I'm not saying Brene Brown's bad. Don't, don't, don't think that. Don't hear that. I'm just saying you start listening to all these other podcasts. And what they're saying sounds, that sounds a little bit like God. That sounds like something God would be about, right? And the next thing you know, you're leaning on what they said, and you know, forgot all about the full word of God. Three tips to be successful. What? That's the kind of stuff you're looking at because you filled your mind with it instead of filling your mind with the truth, capital T, truth of God. And there you go. Next thing you know, you're into some kind of mysticism, mystical, magical, mystery tour stuff. It has nothing to do with the word of God. And your life's going to follow down that path. I'm just saying. What happened? The demons lured you away from the things of the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.1 warns us about this. This is nothing new, y'all. Devil ain't got no new tricks. This is nothing new. It says, 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, sounds like right now, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. The demons will use anything they can use to lure you away from the truth of God. And the fourth thing they do is demons want to paralyze you with fear. How many in this room have felt paralyzed by fear one time or another? That's their, that's their end game, man. That's one of their tactics. And there's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason why the Bible tells us 365 times, hello, once for every day of the year, to not be afraid. Fear is not yours. It is not yours. God does not give us fear. But it comes on us, and you're worried. You're in agony. You're, you're agonizing. You're, you're worried. You're afraid. The demons want you to go through life like that, stressed out, worried, paralyzed by fear so you never accomplish anything for the kingdom of heaven. That's their tactic. They will use any situation, any rumor, anything they can find to have you worried about all kinds of stuff. You'd be worried about your kids. Oh my gosh, he's, he's doing this. He's not going to, oh my gosh, he's never going to get, he's never going to get to where he needs to be in the Lord. Or have you worried about your health? Oh, what is that? Is that a tumor? That is not a tumor. (laughs) How are you worried about stuff? They'll even have you worried about the lady that lives down the road, her health. You don't even know her like that. You worried about her health. So you heard, I heard she went to H-E-B. I saw it on next door neighbor app, whatever that thing is. She went to H-E-B and she got the COVID. I was at H-E-B today. Oh my gosh, I feel sick. Oh my gosh, I have a fe- do I have a fever? Touch my- do I have a fever? Am I sick? I'm going to throw up. I feel sick. Do you see how that works? He's messing with you. You're worried, you're fearful, you're in agony, you're all bound up because Satan has assigned a spirit of fear to take you out. He wants you paralyzed, anxious. Don't do nothing for the Lord. Well, if you're going to go to church, I'm going to have you so afraid. You're not going to talk to nobody and run out that door. My friend, let me just tell you this right now. You are not helpless. 
And there is hope. There is hope. There is hope in the mighty name of Jesus, the one true God, because this, all this demonic mess defeated, defeated. They lose. They, they just forget. Or they're giving it one last college try. I'm going to mess them up. You need to know this. I'm going to give you three battle principles for fighting back against this mess. Number one, do not treat the enemy lightly. Do not treat the enemy lightly. There's a story in the book of Jude in the New Testament. The book of Jude is a little tiny book, but there's a very important story in there. And it's where the archangel Michael was disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. This is the archangel Michael, the most valiant, mightiest warrior in God's army of angels. The archangel Michael. And he didn't provoke the devil. He did not provoke the devil. He simply said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. The archangel Michael did not treat the enemy lightly, but he didn't fear him either. Michael knew that his power came from God. And so all he did was invoke the name of the Lord while he was battling the devil. There's another story in the book of Acts. And it's about these three sons and their father was a Jewish priest. This story actually, I don't want to say it's funny. It's just kind of interesting. Okay. So these three sons, they hear about Paul and the disciples going out, casting demons out and people. And they're like, oh, we can do that. Our, our dad's a Jewish priest. We could do that. So they try to do it, right? They come upon this demon-possessed guy, and they tell him, they tell the demon, in the name of Jesus Christ, or in the name of Paul, or in the name of Paul, whom he serves, they said to the demonic spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches, come out of him. And the demon looked at the seven sons, and he said, "Uh, I know who Jesus is. I know who Paul is, but I don't know who you clowns are. That's what he said. (laughs) That's from the Bible. I don't know who y'all are. I know who Jesus and Paul are. And you want to know why these seven guys couldn't do that? Couldn't get the demon out of this man? Because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They didn't have the power of Jesus to be able to confront a demonic spirit. They were relying on their own strength. They took the enemy lightly. And you know what happened to him? (laughs) The Bible says that the demon-possessed guy whooped him so bad they ran out of that house naked and bleeding. They got a a whooping. I have another word for that, but we're going to keep them in church. So the first principle I need you to remember is you never take the enemy lightly. Do not treat the enemy lightly. The second principle is this. Do not flirt with darkness. Never, ever even flirt with the things of darkness. And you know what I'm talking about. Ouija boards, tarot cards. How many of y'all been to the Renaissance Festival in Houston? Doesn't matter. Point is, they have these people walking around in one area. They've been wanting to read your palm. They've been wanting to get you in the tent to let you. Nope. Ouija boards, tarot cards, palm reading, horoscopes, all of that is demonic. Every single bit of it. 
is demonic. They are not calling on Jesus to get answers to anything. They are consulting with demonic spirits. Hear me now. Even, now this is going to mess some people up in here, so y'all just hang on. Buckle up. You know those little Facebook games, those little silly Facebook games that say, you know, if you were going to be a Disney princess, which would you be? What? Or, or here's another one. This is a real sneaky one. Touch the heart and see who your guardian angel is today. You're over there hitting the screen. What? Who cares? Don't mess with that stuff. That's ridiculousness. Come on, man. Those are not innocent little Facebook games. Oh, it's okay. No, those are portals for demonic spirits to access your life. Do not mess with that stuff. How in the world's Facebook going to tell me anything about me anyway? Everything I need to know is in the book of the Lord. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Deuteronomy 18 says very, very clearly, let no one be found among you who practices divination. What's divination? I had to look that up. I was like, what does that mean? Divination is trying to predict the future or gain knowledge through the supernatural realm. It also says, or anyone who practices sorcery, interprets omens, which Disney princess would you be? Engages in witchcraft, casts spells. I don't know if y'all know about curanderas, but mm, cast spells or who is a medium or a spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Don't flirt with darkness, guys. Don't treat the enemy lightly. And the third thing we need to remember is this. Don't fight with your power, but instead fight with God's authority. We never fight in our own power. We only fight in the authority of the one true God. There's a big difference. Big difference. Let me tell you why. Your power is not great enough. We fight in the authority of God through the one true name, the name of Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. These seven sons, they couldn't drive out the demons because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They knew about him. They didn't have that relationship. Matthew 10.1 says that Jesus gives believers, followers of Jesus, the authority to drive out evil spirits. Followers of Jesus have the authority. You've got to really know him, not just know about him. And I want you to notice this. That scripture says that Jesus gives authority, not power. Think about it like this. Say you're driving down the road and there's some dude, he's standing in the middle of the road trying to stop traffic. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, who is this dude? What does he think he's trying to do here? And you're going to keep on rolling, right? You let that guy be in a police uniform with a badge and he's trying to stop traffic, you're going to stop, right? It's because you know that he has the authority to do that. When we engage in spiritual battle, we don't fight in our own power. We fight in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. He is the one who's greater than all the forces of darkness. And only his authority and his power is how we're victorious. His authority, his power. There's a battle going on in the spiritual realm, y'all. 
It's the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. And what we've learned is this. We don't treat our enemy lightly. We don't even flirt with darkness. And we don't fight with our power, but with God's authority. There is an evil force that is more wicked than you can even imagine. And that is fighting to destroy everything, every single thing that matters to God. You matter to God. But you're not alone in this war. You are never, ever, ever alone in this war. God is always with you. And through Jesus Christ, you have the authority to use God's weapons to fight back. But I want you to hear this. And I want you to hear this and and get this in your heart. Lord Jesus, open their minds so they can really get a hold of this. It is only through Jesus that we can win. Only through Jesus. It's only when you ask Jesus to lead your life. You let go of the wheel, let go of the reins, and you surrender every single bit of your life to Jesus. That's when you have the weapons you need to fight this battle successfully. Without that relationship, you are powerless. With Jesus, you have the victory. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus, you have the helmet of salvation. Then you can put on the breastplate of righteousness. Because when Jesus is leading your life, you are in right standing with God. And therefore, you can put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then you take up your shield of faith. What is that? It's when you truly believe, you have faith, and you follow what God says. And your faith is what protects your mind from the lies and accusations of the enemy of your soul. And then you wrap yourself with the belt of truth. You need that because every single thing Satan and his demons say to you, they are a lie. There's not one piece of truth in there. Not one. And you know, after you've been walking with God a while, you can sniff a lie out from the enemy. After a while... You'll see, you'll sniff it out. You ha- you feel it. Oh, I feel this ain't right. That's the Holy Spirit living in you. But it's only when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's your shield of faith that keeps you safe from those lies. And then you wrap yourself, I already said this, belt of truth, right? Shield of faith is the knowledge of God, your faith in what he can do and who he is. Wrap yourself in the belt of truth because what God says about you and what God says about the evil spirits That's the truth that gives you strength and it supports you. Remember, Satan's playing a long game, y'all. You're going to need some endurance. Buckle up with the belt of truth. Then you put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. When you carry the good news of Jesus Christ, that's the gospel. When you carry walking around with the good news of Jesus Christ, every single place you go, then you can walk through any kind of fight. And then you take up The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's not Dr. Phil's word. It's not Brene Brown's word. It's the word of God. The truth of God. To combat the accusations of the devil. Remember I said his name was changed to Satan, which means the what? The accuser. When he starts accusing you, you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. Your marriage is dead, overdone. 
when he starts accusing you, you need the truth of the Lord to fight back. The truth that's only found in God's word gets you some battle scriptures. That's your sword. And then you can fight like Jesus did when the devil came at him all kinds of crazy. What did he do? He spoke back the word of the Lord and the devil took off. He went on. Be gone. And finally, guys, you pray. You pray. Your prayers are more powerful than you think. Pastor Bob and I prayed. We prayed, get that boy out of here. Either get him saved or get him out of here. Bye. Your prayers are more powerful than you can even imagine. The second you pray, God hears you and immediately dispatches whatever help you need. It may not look like what you think it should, but it doesn't mean he didn't dispatch it. But you don't stop there. We got to pray for each other. Look, there's a reason why God's armor just covers the front. Our prayers cover our backs. Your prayers cover my back. My prayers cover your back. We need to pray for each other. The supernatural realm is real. It's just as real as this natural world we live in right now. And there's a battle going on there. We need to know our enemy. We need to know his tactics. And we need to know how to engage in the battle using God's weapons, his authority, his strength, his weapons. Y'all, you don't have to fear the devil. He's defeated. Jesus handled that business on the cross. He's defeated. We only need to fear God. And I'm talking about honor and reverence, not fawning fear. We only need to have honor and reverence for God. Your enemy is defeated. Only honor and revere God. And the way you do that, the way you do that is by accepting his son, Jesus Christ. we need to fight against the enemy that we have to deal with. Thank you, Lord, that through Jesus Christ, we're victorious. Father, you are powerful. You are all-knowing. You are ever-present. You are mighty to save. You are mighty in battle. God, we recognize that. We honor you. We love you. We praise you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that everything that was spoken here today gives you glory and reminds all of us that you are on the throne. You command forever. You are mighty. We love you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we have victory through your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for sending Jesus to save us, to give us the authority we need to be able to live the lives that you had planned for us. Lord, I pray that your word just sinks down into our spirits and that every single one of us is changed from the inside out.